Hello and welcome to Yagmoth Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. I'm Andy, and I'm joined by the regular co-hosts of Zach and George. So we have two events that fired this week. We're going to jump straight in and have a look at the first event on the Saturday. Uh, Zach, do you want to lead us in? Yeah, the first event was on the 19th of November here, and uh, it was a nice little daily, which is pretty much the only kind of events we fire. And it was won by Naoto, running 4-0 with his Snapcaster deck. And uh, it's a deck we've discussed at length before. It looks pretty cool. Um, same kind of a thing going on. He is running Spell Snare, which I think is super sexy. And uh, two copies of that. I like uh, Mistress Factory as a win condition. And he's got, you know, the Riptide that George and he talked about when he was on the show. Uh, what do you guys think about this one? Um, is this is this a Snapcaster Mage deck or a Standstill deck? Uh, I kind of think, wouldn't it? I don't know how you would classify it. I guess. I guess it's kind of both. But I like I like the standstills. Um, yeah, I, I think I would say that this is a standstill deck. But it only runs three and four snapcasters. Yeah, but look at look at what it's got. It's got a crucible of worlds with the Mistress factories and the wastelands. This looks a lot like a snapcast or a uh, standstill deck. I think I may have actually played against this deck in the fourth round today. Oh. Um, yeah. the, the Vichino Heretic is sexy. Has that is that new? Let's see here. I feel like that's new. Destroy target. I forgot about this guy. Yeah, he's pretty cool. He's kind of expensive though. Three mana for a one three. Yeah, but he does have the bonus of being a creature to get under Thorn of Amethyst. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys have ever done it, but I have blown up a Blade Steel Colossus with it. They still take uh, twelve damage. Huh. You can target a Bladesteel Colossus. The The guy's not going to die because it's indestructible, but they take 12 damage. Oh, that's cool. I, you know what? That's funny that you say that. I've always looked at that card. Wow. I'm so... Sometimes I just think I like... My brain turns off. You know what I always thought this card did? I always thought this card was 2 and a red for a 1-3, and I thought it was 1 and a red tap. And destroy target artifact. Then that artifact deals damage equal to its mana cost, but I thought it dealt the damage to the Heretic and it died. Oh, no. Heretic is some good. Wow, that's pretty cool. I, that's why I was like, meh. That's, that's a pretty cool card. I, I love uh, admitting my retardation on the show, but hey. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, and it looks like a pretty cool deck. Yeah, definitely. Andy, did you have any comments on it? Well, I have an awful lot of respect for Naoto as a player in the classic format. Whenever I uh, I see him playing, he, he seems to be really, really solid, really, really tight, and makes some very sound plays. Um, so I'm not surprised to see him going 4-0. Um, I love I love the look of this deck, and I have to agree with uh, with George that it's more of a standstill deck, and it's similar to the decks that are, are making waves in, in vintage at the moment. Um, there's some interesting card choices. The, the, the two gush there is additional card draw. Um, seem a little bit out of place, and I find it a little bit strange to be running Wasteland and in a deck that's looking to abuse Snapcaster Mage. Snapcaster Mage is the, is already two mana, and you're typically looking to flash back a spell from the graveyard, which is ideally going to be a lightning bolt for an additional mana, or a mana drain for two, or a, or, or a mental misstep for maybe no additional mana cost. But when you're using Wastelands of your own and you're kind of destroying your own mana base by having access to those kind of cards, you do reduce the ability to make full use of that Snapcaster Mage. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I would agree with that, but it looks like Naoto is married to Niall Spellbaum, and Wasteland with Niall Spellbaum gives you a fighting chance against Dredge in game one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other the other odd thing, I guess, is the the two gush. Um, there's an awful lot of cards in the main deck which are not turned on by that gush. Or, sorry, the, the, the do not turn that gush on. You're running Library of Alexandria, you're running Mishra's Factories, you're running Riptide Laboratories, a mountain, a strip mine, and a wasteland, all of which have no synergy with that gush. The only cards that that gush interacts with are the two libraries and the four volcanic islands and the two vo- underground seas. The one you're, library. It just seems odd. It, it, it could... Uh, Naoto, I think, has placed with Gush in his deck almost every time he's played. He loves that card. So Yeah, it's, it's a great card. It just seems really kind of odd to be running such a light target for it. Uh, I can see what you're saying, but... I mean, it, it must have worked. He went 4-0. Oh. Yep. All right, so George, you want to take the next deck here? Yeah, speaking of those Wastelands and the Nile Spellbomb, it looks like uh, we've got the Wild Dog in second. Now, I don't know if this was the finals match, but usually the other 3-0 player um, that loses ends up in second place, so maybe maybe that's what happened here. Maybe in game one, or, you know, he just raw-dogged the hate in game two. But the Wild Dog's playing his dredge list with Sun Titans and Fate Stitchers, the turbo-y, fasty combo version of dredge. And it doesn't look like there's anything different at all with this from the last time we've seen it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say the hate in Naoto's deck against that deck is pretty ridiculous now that I look at it. With the main deck, Nile Spellbomb, and then the sideboard, he had the four ley lines, the three surgical extractions, and the jailer. That's nine slots. That's so unfair. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Wild Dog, though, he's an awesome player. Every time he rocks dredge, he's basically playing the best cards, and he's usually doing it at a high level of uh, aptitude. So, nice to see him money again like he usually does. And, uh, yeah. All right. Um, A new player, Jeremy Ross, and he is playing a legacy deck, but one that I just can't believe how awesome it is. This deck is just so ridiculously good with patterns of rebirth and uh, natural order. The whole idea is to just uh, get Academy Rector in and out of uh, play and then Protein Hulk them to death with Mog Fanatic. Seems good. It's pretty much a really terrible version of Flash, but it's got all these cool cards in it. It looks cool, I must admit. I haven't seen a deck like this, and I wouldn't expect a deck like this would succeed, in all honesty. I mean, looking at the deck here, it has therapies, and that's pretty much the only way to disrupt other decks. And basically, this thing has to be a lot faster than it looks like it is to be successful, I thought. Um... If all you have is four Cabal Therapies and you're relying on a bunch of four mana spells and sure you have a one drop, that's still turn three. That's still turn three. So if somebody tinkers down a Blightsteel, I would think this deck would just roll over. Yeah, it's definitely a legacy deck. There's not one 
uh, Legacy Band card in here, like Mana Vault or Soul Ring, which would speed up the deck, or Lotus Petals. But, uh, you know, we need more of this to happen. More Jeremy Rosses to come out with their, with their decks and at least try Classic. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying why uh, I would have doubts about something like this repeating. Um, uh, oh, I would too. I wonder, I wonder how much of his 3-1 uh, can be attributed to the fact that he was so much off the radar. He was running such a rogue deck that pilots were, that were going up against him weren't really sure what was going on on the other side. They maybe aren't used to playing Legacy or aren't used to seeing this type of deck and maybe just didn't play as tight because they kind of weren't, weren't knowing what to expect. Yeah. I, would, I would tell you that if my opponent went like turn one Mog Fanatic off of a Tega... I would chalk up the match as a win, and then he could totally get me out of nowhere. I guess. I don't know. I would still be hesitant no matter what he played for a couple turns. I wouldn't like be like, oh, whatever. But I, I see what you're saying. Uh, anyway, um, strange stuff on the sideboard, too. You look at the carpet of flowers, which I don't think I've ever seen in Classic. But it's cool. Um, yeah, so... And do you want to take the next deck here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Next up is Montolio, a uh, clan mate, friend of the show, and he's running his traditional stacks, uh, stacks deck, uh, Slash Panther um, build. Um, not not very different from uh, from previous builds that he's moneyed with. Um, solid player, and uh, when he's got his poker chips by his side powering him up, he's always going uh, to hit the money. So, uh, yeah, we'll move on to uh, to cantripping, I guess. The only thing that's maybe different for Montolio is he's he's got the Bath Skull now in the sideboard, just one copy of it. I think that's interesting. We'll see uh, if that develops any further. We'll maybe ask him about that the next time we speak to him. And uh, hopefully get some perspective on that. Um, last up, George, uh, cantripping. Yes, for Storm. Yes. Um, we've got a... Is there... Dark Confidants? There are no Dark Confidants. This is just Storm to the Petal. Metal there to the there are in the sideboard. Oh, they are in the sideboard. I don't know if I agree with that. I love me some main deck. What is he playing instead? He's got Vault Key. Um, an extra Infernal Tutor. And I guess Duresses. Looks like a, it looks like a great deck. Um, I would like the Dark Confidants in the in the main deck, but hooray for Storm placing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Definitely don't see it very much anymore, especially with all the uh, artifacts going around. Uh, I think I think Storm has placed under a dozen times this year. Yeah. Well, uh, definitely I agree. I think it's a cool deck, and I think it's one of those decks that's like. Uh, <coughs> Dealer all or nothing on the draws. I mean, it, it's got a little bit of card draw and tutors and stuff like that, but it can have those ridiculous draws you hear about that maybe, like, people might be afraid to join Classic because they've heard about, like, the broken turn one Yogg Will off a uh, Lion's Eye Diamond with multiple pedals or something like that, just something crazy. Yeah, but, this this is the deck where all of those, oh, Classic is a stupid turn one format comes from. Agree, agree. And I personally, I kind of like the uh, the confidants. I really like the transformative sideboard with the two terrestrians and the four of druids for the looks like for the stacks matchup. You know, oh, I missed the forbidden orchards because in the main that's deck. a that's a horrible matchup for this guy. And 
just by running those Orchards main and having those six cards in the sideboard and the Blake Steel's main, so it really transforms well into an Oath deck, I think. He can just take out the Tendrils, leave in the Vault Key. He has game. I mean, it's cool. I like it. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good to see people adapting. So, yeah, um, that's the, pretty much the roundup for this tournament. I don't think uh, for a couple of weeks now we've had the actual you know total rundown of the decks, but typically it's 16, so... We'll move to the next one, guys. Uh, Andy, you want to lead us into the next tournament here? Yeah, sure, guys. I'll lead you in. Uh, going 4-0 in, in this event. This was the Sunday event on the 20th, um, 20th of November. So uh, going 4-0 is uh, a new guy to Classic, I think, or a guy that we've at least not seen that often. Um, Irab610. Um, he's running a Delver of Secrets Snapcaster Mage build with uh, with Tarmogoy from Tarigon Predators rammed in there as well. Um, so more more Snapcaster Mage making the making the money on four and zero. It's a completely different build. Um, Tarmogoy is obviously a, a a good beat stick, and the Trigon Predator is obviously a great card against the the shop meta game, and and the kind of uh, package of controls slash um, targets for Snapcaster Mage include um, Stifle, Spell Pierce, Mental Misstep, Lightning Bolts, Days, Brainstorms, Force of Wills, and Ancient Grudges. So it seems pretty pretty well set up to uh, to tackle this uh, this classic field at the moment. Again, he's running the Wastelands, which I'm I'm not so sure of with a deck that's running Snapcaster Mage. But there's plenty of targets to turn on that Delver of Secrets and plenty of targets to flash back with Snapcaster. And the, the graveyard, uh, sorry, the, the sideboard is um, is set up pretty much how you would expect to see this kind of deck. It's um, heavily slanted towards the graveyard-based deck of Dredge with four Leyline and four Ravenous Traps and four... T- uh, sorry, four, four Leyline of the Void, two Ravenous Traps and two Tormod's Crepts. And then the ubiquitous hate for the the workshop deck. So seems like a very solid deck there as well. Going four and zero this time out. Yeah, also, uh, I like the ensnaring bridges. Yeah, I agree. That's a, I think that's nice that he's attacking the uh, the big monsters as well. Um, I will say there's five cards that keep this deck from being a legacy deck, and obviously those are mental misstep and strip mine, but. I, I kind of like it. I mean, we talked last week about how these have no really broken turn one play. But it looks like people are, are, are really slanting towards the tempo decks, and they're performing well lately. Well, the uh, the broken turn one play apparently doesn't matter in the workshop infested uh, metagame, because the other deck that 4 had no busted turn one play either. So yeah, that's pretty sweet. And uh, coming in next, George, who we got? Uh, Durnoth, who I think has only been around for a little white green fish kind of uh, blue plate special, I guess, since there's so many different things that you can do in there. Oh yeah. Um, we've seen we've seen this deck in the roundup before, so he's doing he's doing stuff with it. Yeah, it's pretty sick. I'll I'll again reiterate that you know I think four dark confidants are definite in this deck. I'll say I really like seeing the Green Sun Zenith still. That's nice. Um, looks like they've been working for him, so kudos to you, Doranoff. Yeah, I, th- I think I'd like to have Doranoff um, on the show. Doranoff, if you're listening, get in touch with us. Um, I think it would be cool to have uh, your perspective take on Classic at the moment, um, see what it's like to be new to the format, and uh, see what, how it's like to, to grow a collection, and how, how you've been welcomed by the format, and how you've been impressed by how it plays out. Um, 
you've obviously been doing well to make the money, so uh, yeah, consider this an open invitation to come and join us uh, for an episode on Yagmoth Soap Opera. Yeah, just uh, hit us up at uh, ysopodcasts at gmail.com, and really anyone else who has questions, uh, want to talk about getting on the show or anything else, feel, please uh, feel free to hit us up there as well. I echo this sentiment, and I still love that Throne the Last Troll is in there, making me correct from way back when. Throne is cool. I like him now. Now. <laughs> All right. So next up, we have uh, a guy who's starting to become ubiquitous with his deck here, which is Code Three One Four, and he's running his Welder Stacks deck, and he's really been riding this to a lot of success lately. I'm sure we'll, if we haven't already, we'll hear about this in one of his. Uh, upcoming uh article series on pure and yeah it's a pretty cool deck what do you guys think about this one um i i like it a lot i played it today and i managed to three one with it hey so i was thinking about it a deck like this and really in general any deck and i don't want to derail too much i know we're going through this event here but what if they ever introduced a rails rare cycle of lands and i know this is like insanely op but what if it was like one half was either, there was an or in between, and it was red and tap on one half, or two colorless and tap on the other half? How um, ridiculous would that be? That, you know, that doesn't sound like it would actually be too overpowerful in any format. It just seems really good. But there, there is a card very much like that already, and it is Shimmering Grotto. <clears throat> what? That's like the opposite. No, it's not. It's one for colorless, tap for one colorless, or pay one and tap it for a colored mana of any color. But yeah, it's that's what two. I'm saying. That's the that's the opposite. What we want to do is this is this is such a good card because oh oh you wanted to tap for red mana or for two colorless mana exactly. No way. That would be sick. No. What? Why way. no way? What if it was like a mythic land set or or a, or a sick ri- dude? There's been some lands that we were like, no way. When those onslaught lands came out, we were like, Our, no way. All right. So the last two mana plus land that came out was City of Traders, and its restriction is that if you play a new land, it goes away. You want to put another five tap for two colorless lands into the game with no restriction? Yep. You're crazy. Okay, or the restriction could be you have to have one of the lands that the primary produces. So you'd have to have a mountain. So if you have a mountain, you could tap for two? Exactly. Uh, that's not as broken. Okay, so sorry, I didn't want to sidetrack that. What do you think about that, Andy? Too crazy? <laughs> Too crazy, bro. Sorry. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, the one thing I will say about this deck here, after playing it for the one event and... I think I played it about a dozen matches before that. Um, the interaction between Goblin Welder and Chalice of the Void is kind of troublesome. And the other thing I've noticed, the best matchup for Goblin Welder by far is the Workshop matchup, right? But almost everyone, if they're, they're playing Phyrexian Revokers, I almost feel like taking out Chalice of the Void and adding Lightning Bolt might be better, even if you give up a little bit of ground in the blue matchup. Well, I guess, you know, the one thing you have going for that is the Crucible stacks decks, at least before that becomes popular, would never put Chalice on one against this deck. So there's some but, merit there. I guess I, they I, might for Welder. Um, no, well the the matchup I played today, the Mirror, he went blind. Well, I guess it wasn't blind since it was round two, but he played a Revoker naming Goblin Welder on turn one. Oh, that sucks. 
And I, I had a goblin welder that sat and did nothing because his revokers turned it off. I don't know if I'm supposed to side them out. I doubt it. But I feel like the Chalice of the Void and not having a way to remove um, the revoker for on the cheap is kind of terrible. Yeah, I can see that. All right, well, I mean, his deck's pretty sweet. He has some stuff like the Witchbane Orbs in the sideboard, the Ley Lines for the Dredge matchup, and uh, also Tormod's Crypts back up. Triskelions for the Welders, you know, extra ones in the, uh, in the sideboard. There's two of them. Um, looks like a cool deck. Yeah, it's nifty. All right, so coming up next was Excorpio 3-1, and Excorpio uh, is always one for the blue spells. Uh, if you remember, he's the one who really innovated... Uh, the Illusions deck. And it looks like here he's rocking four libraries, guys. You see that? Oh my! I totally missed that the first time I saw it. He's rocking four libraries, four Delver, four Snapcaster, and just tons of counterspells. He's rocking a Null, Force of Will, Mental Misstep, four Spell Pierce, one Snare, one Sabotage. He's running a lot of stuff. He's got Gush. He's got Gush. He's Gush is really you know synergistic with the library, so that's nice. Especially four. I can't imagine what this guy gets in like mid turns of the game. He could pull some ridiculous card draw. It's like all right, I'm gonna tap two islands, then I'm gonna um, lay something, whatever it may be, uh, a lotus petal or something. Tap activate my library. Cool, that's a good card. Play something. Tap activate my library. I mean, he can just go off in the middle of a game out of nowhere. Very cool. I like it. Yeah, I mean, you say he can go off, and I understand that he can get an insane amount of card advantage, yeah? But his only way of winning is beat down via Snapcaster Major Delver Secrets. Yeah, I, I feel like he loses the creature matchup, even with the Dismembers, because they're just going to remove all of his guys. The Dismembers are just going to remove all of his guys. No, the dismember. In spite of the dismembers, I feel like the creature matchup. Excorpio loses to the sword supply shares and all the other random removal that's floating around in the creature decks. See, I think this guy. I think Excorpio is rocking a ton of counter spells, and add the four snapcasters on top of it. I don't really see the sword supply shares, especially with a player like Excorpio. He's no joke. I don't see a Swords of Plowshares getting resolved against a 3-2 Flying Delver of Secrets. You can act like that's not a good way to win the game, but once you've got card advantage, you've got library, you've got a 3-2 Flyer, and you've got a bunch of counterspells with active libraries, tell me how you're going to lose that game. No, no, you're right. Um, but I, I'm with Andy. I think it hinges way too much on eight creatures. Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think it's like the be-all, end-all. There's no alternate win with Time Vault or anything like that. But Also, if you look in the sideboard, he's running your boy Old Man. Yeah, love me some Old Man. And he's running... I, I really like his hate against uh, Dredge. With He's running what um, Josh, the wild dog, was telling us was his least favorite, which is four Leyline and three uh, Yixla Jailers. So also well, technically, with that Vampiric Tutor, that's four uh, Yixla Jailers. Yeah. Yep, so it's definitely uh, definitely a cool build. <clears throat> yep, so moving on here. Last guy in the event, George, was Montolio. Montolio again. And uh, is there anything different from the day before? I don't think so. 
He's running well. You know what? It's different. He's not running the Battle of Skull. Where'd the Battle of Skull go? Um, what took its place? A Razor Man? I don't know. I'm not really sure. Um, so yeah, it's uh, pretty much the same deck. It's not quite the same, but we got we got another Slash Panther showing. Yep, and Slash Panther's been pretty good for a long time now, so kind of expected, especially with a guy like Montolio. He makes savvy plays and savvy decisions, so congrats to you, buddy. Um, so, interesting thing about these two daily events. In the first one, there were five completely different decks that placed. Mm-hmm. And in the second one, there were three completely different archetypes, and the doubles were both completely different versions of uh, the archetype. Okay. We had we had one Slash Panther shop and one Welder shop. Uh-huh. We had one uh, kind of like grindy tempo version of Snapcaster Mage and one aggro tempo of Snapcaster Mage. Yeah. I guess I guess the two Snapcaster Mage decks aren't completely different, but they seem pretty different on the surface. Yeah, I could see that. I like the I like the uh, Delver's Secrets. I really like Scorpio's deck. I actually, if there's anything he's done lately that's appealed to me, that's that's definitely it. I like it a lot. I think it's like exactly the kind of model that I like to play. Which is in uh, in Legacy, I played a lot of Deed Still, which is the same exact thing with with Jace, but um, it's out resource your opponent and smother them to death like a masochistic jerk in the blue variety. <laughs> And, yeah, I love it. I, I think it's very cool, and it's something that I might pursue. <clears throat> so, uh, what do you guys think about Classic lately? I mean, have we seen any new trends or anything develop lately that we haven't seen uh Well, the, the biggest trend is really the release of Innistrad, and, and bringing with that was the release of Snapcaster Mage. And uh, I think that's been the biggest shake-up to the format, is the release of the little 2-1 dork. Um, he's really put a whole new archetype on the map and um, kind of changed change the, the landscape of Classic, really. Um, I, think, I, I think the 1-1 one, one for 1 blue is pretty ridiculous, too. The flying nimble mongoose. Yeah, sure. I mean, I totally overlooked that card when it was first released, and I think a lot of people did, but it's uh, it's solid. And, and we've been selling um, a lot of those on our bots for 50 cents each, you know? Yep. Yep, and uh, the crazy thing about those guys are they really are hard to kill in the format. I mean, there's Lightning Bolt and there's ways to do, you know, small things to them like Path to Exile or Swords to Plowshares. Is Path Path more popular in Classic, George? Um, I feel like Path is the preferred removal in the fish decks. Just because there's not many basics or what? Well, I... I think it depends on the fish decks. If they've got Avon Mind Sensors or uh, the Leon and Arbiters, then they're playing Path. Yeah, definitely. If if they're like kind of the Timmons version, then they're playing Plow. But I think that there's more green, straight up green white hate decks than there are multicolored fish decks running around the format. Yeah, that's another thing. I mean, fish has all but disappeared. I mean, there's green white hate and there's junk. But where is fish? Where are the blue decks with creatures besides Snapcaster? Well, I think that Snapcaster and Delver of Secrets, uh, I don't know if they're strictly better or if it's the new toy syndrome, but 
you're, you, if you're a blue fish player, you're going to be playing with Snapcasters for the foreseeable future. You know what's really amazing, and you're totally going to call me a donkey because it's true, and I've had them for a long time. I've had my four Snapcasters now for a couple weeks, and until this point, I've still not ever cast one Snapcaster. <laughs> so one day I'll get the feeling, and I'm sure I'll get excited by it, but it's pretty crazy. I just thought about that. It's. I, I think in theory, like when I think about it, it still has like this this cool, you know, synergistic appeal. I wonder if it's just going to become monotonous and boring, like uh, like Stoneforge did in Legacy. I don't know. How, are you bored with Dark Confidant yet? No, I'll never be bored with Dark Confidant. But I, the I don't think you'll. I don't think you'll ever be bored with Snapcaster Mage either. I, I don't mean bored playing with it. I mean bored playing against it. The difference between Dark Confidant. <sighs> And Snapcaster and Stoneforge is both of the latter two deal on a known quantity and a known card that you're going to get back. So you can manipulate the crap out of it. I know you can with Dark Confidant as well. It's an amazing card. But you can't always tell it what you're going to draw. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There are times when you're going to play it and it's going to do things blind. There's almost never a time when you're going to play either of those two cards and they're not going to get something that's like pinpoint accuracy. I think there's a big difference between Snapcaster Mage and uh, Stoneforge Mystic. And with Snapcaster Mage, you have to kind of craft. You have to determine what spell you're going to cast to get that into the graveyard to work out when the best time to cast the Snapcaster Mage is. Are you going to cast it at the end of your turn? Are you going to wait until they cast a spell? There's a lot more decision trees involved with Snapcaster Mage, whereas with Stoneforge Mystic, most of the time it's like, well, you can only play it during your turn because it doesn't have flash. And there's only really one or two targets that you're going to rip from your deck with it. You're either going to be getting the Jitte if you're playing uh, playing Classic, or you're going to be getting the Battle Skull, or maybe one of the Swords. And so it kind of has a real stale feel about it, because you know that when you resolve this one card, you're going to pull one of three options out of your library and hold it in your hand, then you're going to tap the Stoneforge and put it into play. But with with Stoneforge, with um, Snapcaster Mage, there's, there's a whole myriad of decisions to be made, so I don't see it ever becoming as boring as... Uh, the Stoneforge. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people seem to forget that you could just play Snapcaster Mage as a 2-1 with no extra spell. I've done it. It's won me the game just because I needed a blocker. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see Snapcaster Mage being a, a great card. And, and, like, one of the big things about it that I notice is a lot of, t- a lot of times people see the card, and, and I'm still like this way, you have to pay the mana cost still of whatever you flash back. And I noticed in Scorpio's build, if you guys did, did you see what his removal was? Dismembers. Exactly. So it's a card that works positively with those four Snapcasters. And I wonder if those are going to get more popular as time goes on against, you know, the field with, with people running Snapcasters. Well, Dismember has been a, a sideboard card, like a sideboard staple of blue vintage decks for a while now. Okay. Well, we the difference, though, is we're classic and we haven't run it yet. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure that Dismember will eventually be, you know, one of the main sideboard options in classic. I don't know if it'll ever make main deck like, like X-Scorpio is doing on a large scale, but I'm sure that eventually it will become... You know, oh, I need to kill creatures. What are my options? Dismember, Lightning Bolt, Swords of Plowshares, and so on and so forth. Yeah. It's definitely an amazing card. It becomes even better late game because you can actually pay for it. 
Uh, agreed. So, I mean, I, I've been away from the computer for like the last two weeks, and I would say that to me, playing in the event today, uh, there was a decline in workshops. I don't know, I don't know if the one or two in these events that we've been seeing from the last couple of weeks, uh, I don't know if they're losing or if they're just not coming out, but it seems like there's less workshops. And the storm deck placing kind of, at least says maybe you're right, George. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely cool to see some diversity. It always scares me, though, to know that all all you have to do to beat Storm is just get shots back with any prevalence. Yeah, that's that's always no bueno. I mean, I don't know. I like the Dark Confidants. I, I really think uh, one of the funniest things about Snapcaster, moving over to Classic and kind of becoming more... I guess, you know, just synonymous with the format is Snapcaster Mage, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Lodestone Golem, uh, Bizarre Baghdad, etc., etc. You have creatures now. Before, when you talk vintage, you know, there hadn't been a lot of creature talk. In Classic, it's more spell-based, we said, than Legacy, which was more creature-based. But now you're starting to get all these creatures with which are synonymous with archetypes. Can we do that anymore? Can we exclude um. creatures? I don't think that we can, but what I do think that we can do is figure out the right build of Oath to take advantage of the fact that Classic is now a creature format. Yeah, I don't know. I think Oath is still really good. I think Snapcaster has almost totally overtaken it, though, hasn't it? I mean, there used to be a lot of Oath and a little bit of Snapcaster and then there was half and half, and now it seems like the pendulum's swinging even more. Yeah, I, there were no Oath decks in these two events. Were the, was there one last week? Uh, I don't remember. Was there, Andy? Uh, no, there wasn't, not that I recall. Um, so, but I think, I, think, I think it's interesting that, you know, Snapcaster builds are going to start turning on the Aether Druid deck opponents. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, we saw three Snapcaster Mage decks in these two events. Um... Maybe maybe it's time for Oath to get revamped and you know start crushing it again. What? So, George, what do you think would be a, a good build at the moment in the current environment? Elish Norn. Um, Elish Norn. Elish Norn. You know, I actually, you might laugh. I think Elish Norn might be a good call. It it kills everything. It kills Delver of Secrets. It kills every. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't joking. <laughs> Um, it makes, it makes Lodestone Golems manageable, it kills Goblin Welders. It beats you know, Dredge pre-sideboard. It eats Dredge pre-sideboard. I mean, I don't know if I would want Elish Norn to be my only target, but what if we did, like, one Elish Norn, one Progenitus? One Elish Norn, one Blightsteel. One Elish Norn, one Blightsteel, yeah. I, I definitely would want to see the, the Blightsteel with the Tinker option there, it's a backup plan. You just run the Time Vault, uh, one Jace, one Tinker option for when Elish Norn, Blightsteel. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a viable deck. Um, I do think you might want to run um, some good flashback cards, like maybe some Ancient Grudges for, for the shop builds. Um. <coughs> yeah, another, another thing to notice is that with... Uh... With what the perceived decline of workshops, it seems like the amount of artifact hate in these decks is getting thinner and thinner. Yeah. So, 
Time Vault, Time Vault. I've been kind of hesitant to put Time Vault in my decks recently, in like the last two months, because the other, the opponent always has a way to deal with it, but some of these decks have no main deck way to deal with artifacts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think, I, I really think um, we're on to something here with Alice Norn. I think it's a good creature to run in Classic. The only problem is, uh, and you could think of it as a problem or as a, a boon for the deck, but you definitely can't run Dragon's Breath. Uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't run it with Elish Norn ever. And I think that kind of changes the dynamic of what the successful Oath decks have been lately. Um, oh, absolutely. Dragon Breath has been synonymous with placing an Oath for the last, what, eight months? Yeah, maybe even more than that. But, but yeah, taking that out of the picture, I think you can have a more... Um, a more controllish, more resilient, more dynamic build than you can with uh, with less space. I mean, let's face it, that's all you're doing is creating space. Yeah, you definitely you definitely want to take out those dragon breath or breaths and put in balances and fire spouts and pyroclasms. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe you want to run straight uh, red elemental blasts. Oh, yeah, because these, these cards are blue. But the problem with red elemental blasts is mental misstep. Agreed, but, you know... <laughs> you're going to have yeah, well, one mana spells that... You know, you have to fight around every game. That's not going to change. You play one mana spells too, so. Yeah, this this is true. I don't know, but yeah, check that out, guys. Maybe maybe there's some some options there. What do you think, Andy? You think uh, Elish Norn might be viable? Yeah, I think I think absolutely it would be viable, and uh, I think I think we might be on something that it does seem to be a good environment to be trying to bring back um, bring back Oath, and uh, especially if we're thinking that. Um, Workshop-based strategies are going to have a, a huge boon soon from the release of Tanglewire. So, yeah, let's bring it on. Let's get some testing going on in the clan and try and get uh, El Elish Norrin uh, Oath decks working. I'll say, too, I think uh, the perfect sideboard card for this kind of a deck, especially against Oath builds, is uh, Terastodon. Just switch it right into the uh, shop-crushing variety. Just oh, yeah. Take out Blightsteel, Tinker... Uh, take out the, uh, I mean, you don't have to take out Tinker, but I would, since it's three mana before, you know, Spheres, etc. Um, yeah, I mean, you could, you could really dominate, um, shops if you can resolve a Terastrodon. So the other thing we should talk about is the, uh, the League, uh, MMOX League, we're into, uh, Season 3, and, uh, Round 5 is in the books, guys, how you doing? I'm pretty sure, I thought I had dropped after round one, but apparently that never happened. Oh, that's no bueno. So I am like 0 and 4, or 0 and 4, or 0 and 5, and I only played my first round. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely did drop. Uh, what about you, Andy? How you doing? Um, yeah, not too bad. Um, my round four opponent, um, unfortunately didn't turn up, um... So I was lucky enough to get a buy, um, which put me on to three and one, um, which was good. Going into round five, I was really confident and had a draw against um, against the shot player against um, KS Lay, who's uh, one of the hosts of the other podcast hosted on uh, Pure MTGO. And um, freed from the real. That's right. That's right. Freed from the real. And uh, we met to play our game today, and I got completely and utterly hammered. 
by uh, by a shop's build. So uh, I currently sit three and two, um, and my breakers aren't that great. So I think my chances of making the top eight are now completely obliterated. But we'll we'll play at round six and see where it leaves us. Oh, buddy! What? I, I have gotten some top eights with abysmal tiebreakers at four two before. Anything is possible. Well, we'll we'll live the dream and we'll see what the round four, uh, round six, uh, round six matchup is, and see if there's a, a possibility of scraping in there. Yep. Sounds good to me, guys. So ten days from the recording until Mercadian masks. Absolutely. Um, looking forward to it. Getting more excited by the day. Um, luckily, my my want list from this set is pretty small, so. Um, won't be breaking the bank. I'm what about not, you guys? I'm really wondering when I'm going to get excited about this set. I'm not excited yet. <laughs> uh, I'm not excited either. It's just, I don't know. It's like, it's really cool. We're getting three sets, and it's basically the last three, blah, blah, blah. This has, like, very little interest, like, as far as, I don't know. I, I know I'm going to play Limited. I know I'm going to play a lot of Limited. I know, I know I'm probably going to record some of my Limited. But, dang, man. It's just, bleh. I'm not... I'm not amped up for it yet. Yeah, I mean, I know there's Tangle Wire and some other cards, but the only card I'm even interested in is Divining Witch, so that I can see if I can make a Divining Witch Laboratory Maniac deck work. I do want Misdirection. To what? Misdirect a Lightning Bolt? There's no Ancestral Recalls to Misdirect. I don't know. I'm sure I'll play Misdirect. I'm telling you right now, I know I'll play Misdirection on something. We'll see. Sure Even if it's too. sideboard, we'll see. Uh, I'll probably pick up that in anticipation that we one day get vintage. But yeah, the best spell to uh, to misdirect is Ancestral Recall. Or oh. I suppose Force of Will or Mana Drain onto itself. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I'm just not that amped on it. I, I'm not excited either. Andy's the only excited one. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to get my hands on some nice uh, foil brainstorms and uh, nice foil gushes. And, uh, yeah, I think it'll be good for the shot players to get their hands on their tangle wires so we can uh, we can feel the full force of, uh, of shop and then hopefully we'll get some of their components banned and they can all go crying. <laughs> There's a lot of Freudian stuff there with a lot of get-your-hands-on stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it sounds it sounds pretty cool. I, I I'm just worried about uh, you know I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm worried about the brown menace. So the uh, the I guess the hour is near of uh, Judgment Day for shots. So we'll see if that ever manifests itself in the classic environment. Absolutely. Um, we shall see where it takes us. So, guys, I guess that's probably it for this uh, this week. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors, MTGO.com, for uh, sponsoring us. And, MTGO. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just thanked MTGO.com, bro. <laughs> thank you, Magic, for giving us this addiction. <laughs> we love you and would like to have your Magic babies. <clears throat> Moving on from that epic fail, um, we'd like to thank our sponsors, mtgotraders.com and our hosts, puremtgo.com. Uh, thanks, guys, and we'll see you in seven. Have a good one. A big phallic thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>